Today's gospel lesson is from John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar's. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in an Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. The word of the Lord. I am Trin Peterson. I am the lead pastor at Eden Community. Uh, We are a covenant church plant. Uh, We're in the beginning, so... We'll be launching weekly in the fall, so so happy to be here and so happy to have support. Um, It is a beautiful thing when people and churches come together to birth more churches, and it's really about God's kingdom rather than being separate. So it is just beautiful. So thank you for having me today. You know, if I can be completely honest with you guys, I was reading this part of the story, and I was like, ah, there's some pain, because there's so much here, and I was reading all these commentaries, and then I threw them on the floor, my, you know, I was like frustrated, and there's so much going on in this passage, in this kind of fake trial that's not even a real thing, that's totally rigged, and I was praying like, God, what in the world do you want me to bring? And I noticed something that, like, I've known but haven't really known. That there is a thread in this passage of appointed time. Because nothing of how this goes, how this trial goes, Jesus' crucifixion, makes any sense. It's not how they normally would have done things. 
And so there was an appointed time. God had his hand over it. Yes, the people and the crowd and the Jewish leaders were definitely partnering with some dark forces. But there were some strange things at work here because, number one, they're in the season preparing for Passover. And they're preparing for the annual Sabbath that comes before Passover. This is one of the holiest days, weeks, festivals. It's a week long of their faith. They celebrate remembering God's delivering, God delivering them from Egypt. No trial is supposed to even be taking place at this point. So this is like, even how this is going down is illegal. They're supposed to be preparing for the holy festival of Passover, and here they are, killing Jesus. It's nuts. So this threat of appointed time. So why this time? Why is this the appointed time? I truly believe that God's word builds on itself from Old Testament all the way to the New. And it is no coincidence that it is happening at this time and that it needed to happen at this time. But let's look at some of kind of the weird things that are going on here. Why is this appointed time and what is appointed time? Appointed time is a plan set in place before it even happens. Like God's appointed time is he has things that he has set before the foundations of the earth. They're going to happen. So we know Jesus redeeming us has always been. And how it was going to happen was prophesied in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, who was a prophet operating from 742 to 681 B.C. Christ was born around 4 to 6 A.D. That's a long time before. So the prophecy of the Messiah and all of this and how this would happen has been around. And for all of these things to come together so specifically, that's appointed time. <clears throat> so what does it say in Isaiah 53, verses 3 and 7? He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. And he was led like a lamb to slaughter. And as the sheep before the shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. And we see this in the trial. Pilate's answering him questions, and he doesn't even, he doesn't respond at first. And then he asks him again. And then he responds. He's fulfilling Isaiah. And this is all coming down. And this, this trial is just illegal. It's rigged. This Sabbath rhythm in the Jewish life is weekly. So they spend all week, they prepare, and they rest 
from twilight on Friday night to twilight on Saturday. But this Passover season is a little bit different. They call it the annual Sabbath because it's extra holy, because it's before Passover. And so it's a little earlier than normal. So they're preparing. They should be preparing to rest. And what they're doing is holding this mock trial that is illegal to even take place during this time. Pilate is scared out of his mind because his wife had a dream. And she told him, don't have anything to do with this man. So he's freaking out. And the people are crying out to him. And his job is to keep the peace because if he doesn't keep the peace, he loses his job and his life. So he's in this really tough position. And usually around this time, it's customary for him to release a prisoner in honor of their festival of Passover. So this must have just been a kind of a foreign thing happening, and he didn't know what to do. And he keeps trying to let him go. We see that in the text. Well, you crucify him. He's your king. And then they play the Caesar card, which is so odd. Now these are the religious leaders Pharisees and Sadducees. And these, we're told, are the priests. So they're the Sadducees who run the temple in Jerusalem. And they despise Roman rule. Now they're saying, you're no friend of Caesar. Well, neither are they. Like, you guys can laugh about that. It is ridiculous. They want freedom from the oppression of all of these different empires who have ruled them from the beginning of time. And Rome is one of them. And now they're going to be like, but you're no friend of Caesar's. You run the temple. They're supposed to be doing Passover sacrifices. But they're busy trying to kill Jesus. Another thing they say, which is really interesting, because they're siding with Caesar now, is they cry out, You're no friend of Caesar. And then they cry out, Caesar is our only king. So they just went from a little crazy to like full-on nuts. Now Caesar's your king? Now if y'all knew Caesar, he was a little woo-hoo. He claimed to be divine. So when you're saying Caesar's your god, king, you're saying he's your god. So let's get this straight. This is how weird this is, you guys. We should be uncomfortable with this. The Jewish leaders are saying, Caesar is our king. What? That's how badly they want Jesus to die. Because Jesus threatens their authority. He wasn't blaspheming. He is the son of God. How blind were these leaders and the mob of people that this was going on. And you might have thought like him being beat and mocked was horrible. That was Caesar just hoping that, well, let's beat him some and it's better than being crucified. And he was hoping that we could just flog him and let him go. Because that's mercy in the Roman world. So they force Pilate's hand by saying, Caesar is our king. This is strange. So why is this appointed time? 
Well, looking at the text, I'm thinking, this is all happening over such a holy time. Like Sabbath is the first thing that God calls holy. It's supposed to be a space carved out where we meet God, where we set apart 24 hours, live differently, be different. And then it's Passover, celebrating of God delivering Israel from Egypt and their whole story. Why this is appointed time is because Jesus is redeeming us over Passover. So not only is God calling attention that I have redeemed you from slavery physically, but Jesus, my son, is now delivering you forever. That's huge. That's how the story connects and folds in on itself. What? And we see this. What is Passover? The celebration of Egypt. I have a wonderfully Jewish friend of mine who's more like my brother. And we talk about Passover, Egypt. But Egypt in the Hebrew is Mitzrayim, and it means the narrow place. So literally, when Jewish people come together and they celebrate Passover, they're celebrating being liberated from the narrow place. And my friend says, they say, in Egypt this year, but next year, Jerusalem. I'm going to come from the narrow place, and then I'm going to go to God's holy city. I'm going to leave the narrow places. So every year is a reminder, where are the narrow places that we need to leave to be in God's holy city, to be delivered? So over this time where we remember a whole bunch of people being delivered physically from the narrow space, Jesus is redeeming all of humanity from the narrow space of shame and sin on the cross. If that's not appointed time and amazing timing, I don't know what is. And the fact that it's for each of us. Every day. All the time. That God not only cares about our afterlife, but he cares about our physical enslavement in this life. Just like he did for Israel. The narrow places in our lives. We are invited into that every season. And God's hand is, I want to deliver you. He cares for the whole person. All the time. He's in every little minute detail. And I needed to be freed of my own skepticism to see that. That he so fully loves us. And the journey we're on, both here and into eternity. That the deliverance story about the cross is huge. It's for us now, tomorrow, was, and will continue to be. So I have this saying when people talk about salvation, I definitely believe I had an encounter with God as a young youngster. Actually, I was preaching when I was like in first grade. I got thrown out of the class, maybe. I was telling everybody they needed Jesus. 
But I've realized that my life, if I look at my life, it's been a series of being saved. Jesus has redeemed us, is redeeming us, will redeem us. Restoration has happened, is happening, will happen. And my life reflects that. There have been definite spaces where I have seen God and met God. But salvation, if we look at Jesus, his name means Yeshua, salvation of Yah. And he moved around on his feet, no place to stay usually, and healed the sick and brought the message, the good news and love to everyone. So yes, he redeemed our shame and our sin on the cross, but he also taught us what it means to move around and offer that to others because salvation is an action. It's a verb. It's not a thing to just be saved from, which is true, but we are saved for the works he has prepared ahead of time for us. Which is why the Passover and Easter colliding is so important. Your physical life here matters. Your eternal life matters. Salvation is a journey, as Jesus' story is a journey. Literally, if you can just change the Jesus name to just put salvation on his face and just imagine him walking around, that's what it is. And we get invited into this beautiful story of ongoing redemption, And then we get to take part of that in other people's lives. So not only is the redemptive call here for us to God, but us to each other. The whole thing. That is appointed time. Was it an accident? No way. And as I was researching these things, it was like beating me in the face. I was like, I have been to seminary, which is not something to brag about. (laughs) It's where some pastors go to die. (laughs) Some don't make it out, man. And we do all this historical work, and I've like knew it, but like how did I not see it, right? God's deliverance for us is holy and set apart because it's on the Sabbath. He knew at the beginning of the world when he created everything there was and then he rested and created a sacred space that he would redeem his people. It was holy, set apart from the very beginning. Wow. That is a master artist at work. And God's deliverance is for all humanity. It's an expansive thing. It was always meant to be that way. Israel was the people of God to be a light to the other people in the world. But they kind of always screwed it up because then it always became about, well, I'm Jewish and you're not. I keep all the laws. It became exclusive. When really, we need to be churches and people who are wells where everyone can come and drink of the water that God provides. It's easy, though. It's easy to slip into that. So Jesus died on the cross so death might pass 
us over. But that's our choice. Just like death passed over the Israelites before they left Egypt, they put the blood on the doors during one of the plagues where the firstborn son of Egypt would die in each house. God passed them over. But what connection to that is that we have Jesus' blood over our doorways because death can pass us over. That's the connection. So all of these really strange things that would never happen have collided in a beautiful explosion of the full story of God. That is our invitation in this Easter season, in this Lent season. It's why we prepare for Lent. We prepare our hearts. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for you being the Passover lamb. For you being the lamb who delivered all of us. Father, we open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see your full story, how it connects, and how the invitation is always there. You are calling to us. We just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that the days to come, we can reflect on what you have done are doing and will continue to do because you truly are good you are life that brings life that brings life i just pray for each person in here god that they will see you in a fresh way that their vision will expand this easter season and they will meet you at the cross again In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.